2: For free shipping and 365 day returns.
3: And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up.
0: We're running a small little fish out there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to
1: get the breaks near the smaller fish. I love this county so much, you know. It's just I'm delighted that the, the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because like I, I'm heartbroken.
0: I'm hard The referee, I think, has told the Limerick players just how little time remains. It's going to be Michael Hanford to love it. time left and Wexford are the champions. They've won their sixth All-Ireland final. The Liam McCarthy Cup goes back to side for the first time since 1968. It was a performance of passion, of bravery, of skill, of tactics by the manager and his selectors. Martin's story has led them back into the promised land.
2: So We're going to start at the start here, um, Brian. Limerick all fired up. Limerick sat down for the team photo and they were so fired up that they broke away from the team photo and had to go sit back down for the team photo a second time. Everybody hates when that happens. But I've been on teams where you sit back down. I've been on other, other teams where the photographers are told where to go and you just break away anyways. Then they broke away from the parade um, very early. They were only halfway up the Cusick side um, and Wexford walked around in front of Hill 16 um, on their own. You know, they definitely seemed a bit jumpy when they were coming out on the field. It was like they were, they were in front of the camera and they couldn't get up the steps and they were almost pushing each other out. You know, they, they seemed like they were almost too wound up.
1: Yeah, they were savagely psyched up and yet it didn't seem to affect the performance at no. the start because they they went into a five to five points to one lead. So from that perspective it was a hard one to judge. Like it's been well flouted now about the Wexford approach to the whole sports psychology Liam Griffin was way ahead of his time and there's actually a cut to the scene at the start where Liam Griffin's actually chewing chewing gum and you know you've yeah. seen um, the Irish rugby team were, were implying that tactic over the last couple of years um, you've seen Rory Best in particular it always knows him chewing chewing gum coming out into the field and they actually had that traffic light system where Wexford walked walked out of the Cusick stand dressing rooms you know real calm going yeah. out into the field they were in red and then they were out in the field doing the warm up and going around in the parade they were in amber and then it was only when the, the whistle was thrown in that they were at the green stage so they had they had gone through all this sort of stuff whereas Limerick obviously were hyped up to the last as you said and almost couldn't be controlled and I suppose the long term thing of that was and look it, it proved it in the end was that they weren't really ready for a battle. They were they were ready for the initial onslaught, but when Wexford were ready for the, for the 70, 72 minutes that it took.
2: Yeah, that definitely did seem, seemed like a strange one because it had been their second All-Ireland in three years, you know, you would have thought they would have been a little bit calmer. I suppose it was the way they lost the last one, all this kind of stuff weighing on Limerick, you know, whereas Wexford didn't have that baggage at all coming into it
1: no and I remember as clear as day even though I was only 13 I remember seeing an interview with Kieran Carey the week of the All-Ireland and it was it was actually went out on Saturday Sport the day before it, and um, I was just struck at the time of you know the pressure that was on Limerick you know and, and those Limerick hurlers and uh, you know even even small things like the, the, the there was this kind of belief that Limerick deserved an All-Ireland yeah. you know because of what happened in 94 and you know, that there was that real tension. And you could, you could see that in their body language even with 10 minutes to go, they were four points down, they weren't expecting any of this and they were just distraught with, you know, with the fact that they weren't in front. And and they didn't, you know, it's amazing to watch the psychology of games now when you see some of the classic All-Irelands were after scene. You know, like, say just to take for example Galway and Limerick two years ago Galway were 8 points down on the 70th minute now I know it went to 76 minutes but you know they fought back they nearly got a draw out the game you know it's just different the, the psychology where Limerick were ready to give up with about 10 minutes to go and just were, were thrown in the towel um, so it, it is amazing but that pressure as I said they weren't ready for the battle in the long run they, they, they were ready to, to hit them early and drive it home but then, when when their kind of plan didn't work, it, it kind of seemed to hit them very hard.
2: Yeah, no, it definitely did. Camir Liam Dunne and Gary Kirby. Um, so we've seen this. Um, mm. There's one on YouTube of it slowed right down. My take on it is Liam is fairly low when he connects. Gary Kirby's pulling fairly high, whereas Liam doesn't pull as high as Gary.
1: Yeah, I think you can you can look at any of those. Like, how many times did you see players pulling on the ball in the air? probably loads like I mean you're talking 20-30 times in the game that's the way hurling was that's the way it was when I started out as well it's actually moved away from that so much that defenders have got brilliant at Kind of holding down the forward, so that they don't even get to swing the hurl, and you look like an absolute idiot if you try to swing the hurl in the air nowadays. Or on top of that, if it's deemed anyway wild at all, it'll be it'll be a free out. So that kind of skill has gone out of the game completely. Yeah, you very very rarely see people pulling on it. But they very, um,
2: I don't know if it's this final, but I even remember. D- d- does anybody ever connect with it when they pull up like that? There's two wild pulls. Do they ever actually even double on it or connect with it? It's not that often.
1: Oh yeah, it's not that often the ball's actually connected. But from a half forward, the psychology behind it was it was trying to break the ball through so that you know you had a full forward line in yeah. coming out in front and trying to and gather up the ball. And it was turning the half back line towards their own goal if you could break it through. Yeah. You know, at least you could get you some idea. And it stopped obviously dominant centre backs or wing backs from actually catching the ball. You know, it was, it was it was a very simple approach from that perspective. Um, you know, it's the way it's the way I was brought up to hurl. Um, I was always coached from the older offly players, you know, pulling the Pull. ball in the air. There's not there's nothing wrong with pulling. And look, they were right, because in that era that's exactly what you did. And the amount of strokes like that you seen pulled in those situations. And uh you know, the Leinster final was on telly on um on, on TG Saturday on 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 Saturday. Saturday yeah, God, it was. Yeah. And yeah, and uh there was some hairy strokes in that too. Martin Story took a, a couple of big ones and Joe Dooley went off with needing stitches. So there was you know, there was uh there was a couple of strokes and that's just the way it was, it's the way the game was. Did he mean to break his fingers? I don't think he did. You know, it was like, like that was one huge talking point out of that game and that um and everyone said, oh he done him. He meant every bit of it. Like he went to pull and pull hard. I think the boat went to pull and pull hard and I think it was just unfortunate. Like yeah. I don't know, Dunn, one pull
2: one was pulling high and the other was pulling low. The one thing I I did see when Kirby was getting treatment, do you see Liam Dunn walk around and take a peek in to see what see what, what yeah. damage was done to him?
1: <laughs> like yeah, a bit. Of course he did, but Liam Dunn was as cute as a fox. <laughs> and look he was but he was physically way smaller than Gary Kirby. And Gary Kirby was like the, like he was like Joe Canning. Of, of that era you know yeah. what I mean he was the the main man for Limerick he was their tallies man their free taker everything um, and Ferris to he hit some free straight after, did. after that um, did. Uh, right in front of the the dugout um, but like that's think about the, even the psychology of that you know the first puck out between the two of them down Ireland straight down between on top of them like you know Liam Dunn was prepared for that and he wasn't going to let Gary Kirby just you know have his own way so yeah. he was he was set up and he was going to pull no matter what and Was Kirby na-
2: that was was Kirby naive to go pulling there with with Liam Dunn when you know he's the marquee forward and he should be keeping himself out of trouble
1: Yeah see I suppose there was an element of he was he, he was trying to step back and let Liam Dunn know that he, yeah, he was, was there. ready for the battle yeah. he was there as well so I think it's just one of those things that's unfortunate Do you know honestly I think there was both of them went to pull as hard as they could um, and it was just one of those things, honestly.
2: Right. Okay. The sending off, like I mean, look, there was a there was a bit of a schmozzle and Scanlan's or um, Scanlan's temper was up because he was inv- had been involved in it, and then the ball was thrown in, and he put they both pulled once, and there the two, it was a wild pull each. But yeah. then then Scallon pulled back pulled second again. time in around the stomach. Like, even in even in that era, that probably had to be a red. Or was anybody going to complain about that?
1: Yeah, you see, I think he was unfortunate, see, because Eam, Eamon Scallon, like, was a lovely ball-playing corner forward. and He wasn't you know, in the game the at all. He
2: hadn't been in the game at all, which probably added to his frustration.
1: And he was marking Steve McDonough. Like, yeah. like Mark Steve McDonough in his last game. He was one tough cookie, like you know, and he was your old school cornerback. Now he knew the dark arts, and uh, he'd have been, <laughs> i uh, he'd have been in Eamon Scallan's ear, you know, for those first thirty two or three minutes. He was involved in it, so Eamon Scallan was almost like seen as a kind of too soft, and and probably was trying to look after himself in that situation, and just unfortunate for him. I actually um happened to be um in Crow Park for the I'm nearly certain it was the All-Ireland semi-final between Wexford and Tipperary and actually Pat Horn, that referee who was the current um, secretary of of the Offaly County Board he actually met Eamon Scallon for the first time since that All-Ireland and they actually got a picture taken together so it was nice nice to see that there was no animosity between them Um, I suppose Scallon still got his All-Ireland but still it was was an infamous way for him on that particular day a huge disappointment for him but uh, you know it was unfortunate because as you said there was a right bit of a schmozzle beforehand and tempers were frayed. It's just interesting actually where the ball was thrown in because, you know, that Shemazel was was right in front of the, the goal and the ball was actually thrown in maybe about 10 metres towards the Hogan stand side. Um, it's not that there was any reason for granting, but you know, it's just, it's mad that it was thrown in right there, but you do, you would feel sorry for Emskall in that perspective.
2: Yeah, you will. Look, I mean, and he wasn't feeling sorry for himself. Larry Murphy went off uh, when he was subbed off and he was congratulating, you know, pepping him yeah. up and congratulating him. So he was obviously uh, still kind of fulfilling that role, even though he had been sent off. There were some nice Gaelic football skills from Wexford. Larry Murphy did something. <laughs> I knew you'd see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, it was George O'Connor who kicked it over his shoulder. You wouldn't see a, a Gaelic footballer doing it. Cush um, kicked one and Larry Murphy, Larry Murphy flicked the ball up that you would do in Gaelic yeah. football style with a bloody slitter and it came up to himself. <laughs>
1: it came up lovely to him, there's them outrageous and actually, the, the Jerk one Jerk like when would you see it nowadays he won a ball in his own full back line, got as far as the 21 and booted it forward <laughs> got at about 40 well maybe about 40 metres sorry Adrian Felling caught a great caught that ball under serious pressure he turned around and booted it forward as well Story catches it and buys a lovely free off the, maybe the naive young Mark Foley at that particular stage and you know Pulls him into him, falls over. Yeah, yeah. You see that in football as well, actually. Yeah. And falls down the ground, and a free in, nice, handy one to extra, massive score tonight. So, I said to myself when I was watching that, I said, "Wooly's well, going to love this
2: <laughs> I really, did. I really did enjoy that. But come here, we're going to have to leave it there, Brian, because Martin Story. Just talking of Martin Story, he joins us on the line now. Um, How is it going, Martin? I'm, I'm sure, I'm not sure what your recall of this game is is like. Maybe you watch it every Christmas day.
3: Would you believe it if I told you I've seen the match? Twice or maybe three times in this totality ever. You're joking. Um, yeah, the first time I sat down to really look at it was on my own one night here at home, say maybe three months afterwards, and I had a couple of bottles of beer looking at it, and I just said, if we'd have lost that match, we'd hit Carval Wides, including myself. That was the conclusion i come to <laughs> straight, straight away afterwards that we did we hit five or six wides that I I hit two to myself I was just thinking oh my god how did you miss them but normally there you have written but the scores you know but the other thing that jumped out to me would be our defenders give away an all three and I think it was 43 minutes or something now that is unbelievable
2: yeah no it definitely was incredible defensive performance in the second half because like I mean you were a man down and against the wind in the second half you only had a point lead
3: yeah, but Liam Griffin was very good re rotated who followed the, the, their extra man. Like, we took it in turns. I'd follow him for two minutes, then Tom Dempsey, then Gary Laffin, then Rory Mack, then Larry Murphy. We were we rotated that we didn't get tired that the one man followed him all the time to try and minimise the damage that he right. he was going he was going to do you
2: know right that was a that was that was a smart thing to do because it was Dave Clark they put us the spare man and that played him out around the half back line midfield which you know should have caused you problems but it didn't
3: yeah well one of us always tried to pick up and do the run with him like chase him. Chase him when he was trying to attack, like or set so, up an attack. So we didn't. It's not like it's not like now, like that you had two or three running at the one time. That time there wasn't. It was it was very 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 seldom that a wing back or a mid or even or even a centre back would actually attack. You know what I mean? Their first job was defend. Yeah. And even even though he attacked, he didn't ultra attack. He sort of. He nearly defensively attacked it, you know what
2: I mean? Yeah, no, it definitely was. He didn't have any impact on it. It didn't look like they the had any impact, but I didn't realise that from watching it back that you were all taking, um, taking turns from marking him. Come here. You, you went up for the toss with Kieran Carey. You didn't even look at each other in the face. Do you remember that? There, was there, I suppose you were both captains and you knew you'd be marking each other.
3: Yeah, we were very good. We were friends. Like we were two right. of the fellas that never that had never had won anything for the length that we were playing. He was playing a long, long time, and I was playing ten or twelve years, and none of us had anything to show for it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And if we we're ever at an all-star duo or any of those, you know, her, you know the consistency of our duos or anything like that, both of us would have of them, and and we would have always got in together and drank together because because two of us were very similar in the sense of. That we had won nothing, and we knew at the end of it, what one of us was going to be an All and captain, the other wasn't, you know. So it was it was an awkward sort of a moment for the two of us that had been friendly, like you know.
2: Right, because I thought it was interesting. There was no smiles for each other. You didn't even look at each other in the eye at all. You just keep both 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 of you put your heads down. Probably nerves because of because of knowing each other.
0: Yeah,
3: well, I mean, I, I suppose too, like Liam Griffin had his very very set psychologically for everything. Like, I mean, I remember looking up and he was standing with the referee and I went off and I got a drink of water and I said, I'll leave him up there for another few seconds just to to, to think, like, you know. <laughs> right, but look at them, they, you try and play every ball that you can to, to, to your own advantage. Every little, you know, every little leg up that you can get in any way, shape or form. So you... you, you if you think it helps, it helps. Whether it does or it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If you think it does, it does
2: help. Yeah, no, exactly. Come here, you had a problem with your studs. Did you have to screw them out and put other ones in or was it was it just a matter of changing your boots? Like back in 96, I suppose, to, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, I was wearing the screw and I lost two studs. Oh, you lost those. Liam Griffin, Liam Griffin ran in and gave me two replacements. So I was down the ground putting in new studs and we were only tightening them with my hand because we didn't have a... We didn't have anything <laughs> to tighten them, you know. But it was, unu- it was unusual because they were the same boots I had worn. It was unusual that the studs come loose because they were the same boots I had worn, but I had put in a new a new set of, of sort of summer-type studs rather than the real long ones, you know. Because right. in, the winter I used, in the winter, I used to wear the, you know, the inch studs, like, that would give you the real, you know, the metal ones. In the yeah. winter, I used to wear those. And then in the summer, you wore the... Crow Park was always kept watered. You wore the you wore the multi studs in every other pitch in Ireland, but pack was always kept was always kept nice and soft and watered. That that there was always a you you it, slip yeah. a good bit. Yeah, well you'd slip a bit if you were wearing the multi. So I always wore the I always wore the screw in for it. And then it there was told them come out, and I still have the set of boots here at home. They're in an old bag somewhere, and I looked there. I was showing them to someone, and there, there's there's all these there's, there's three odd studs in it, like you know.
2: Right. Just to explain to some of the younger people listening to this show, Martin, they mightn't be as old as me and you. Back in the mid-90s, you used to, instead of wearing the multi-screw, you could actually take out the longer screws and buy shorter ones and put them in. They were, they were a shorter stud for the summer, but they were still a screw and stud, right?
3: They were still a screw, but they were bigger and rounder. Rounder, they yeah. They, 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 maybe would have been, they maybe would have been less than half an inch long, but it could have been an inch, an inch in diameter or an inch and a quarter in diameter so you had more, you had more surface on the ground enough for your feet to get sore, like you know.
2: Yeah, no, that was actually that was it. Come here, talk to me about the the match because you stormed into the game on the in the twenty second minute. That's when you really took the game by the scruff of the neck. But before that, you were I don't know, were you kind of outside the game a little bit. Ciar- I know Kieran Ciar-
3: I was getting a lesson off here and there. He was up the score <laughs> and a pint. He was, he was absolutely... And I remember I remember when Lean Griffin ran into me one time when one wanted the studs and I just said, gee, Liam, I'm going to have to do something stone and get in the stride here. And he says, no, you're grand, you're grand. Just keep doing what you're doing. It'll come. It'll come. Right. And that's exactly... It. There was a... I think it was Adrian Fendon pulled on a ground ball and I think I picked it up and I turned and I got a pint off it. And that settled everything for you. You know what I mean? That settled you... Then I got a free after, and all of a sudden you were totally in the game. But, but going back to the original question, Kieran, Kieran Carey was as good as man as ever heard in Ireland. like. Yeah. you know what I mean? And, and like right, he hasn't won his all Ireland, but my God, was there many better players out there over the over the decades? Was there? Because I didn't. I watched him playing. I watched him playing the club all Ireland, final and he's 17 years of age, and he scored three points from wing forward or four points from wing forward, and he still, I think, doing his leaving shirt on. Yeah, you know, I mean, Keiran Carey was one of the best that that took a heart in his hand, like you
2: know. But I tell and you, I, tell I,
3: reckon, you, I reckon, if I could break even with Keiran Carey, I'd be doing fairly well. Let alone trying to get the better of him, you know.
2: They weren't shy about dropping pokeouts down on top of yourself and him, were they? If they, if he was a strength of theirs, you were, you were clearly, you know, an equal strength for Wexford because Fitzhenry was was, was dropping him right down on top of you and him.
3: Oh yeah, well I loved the high ball. Yeah. I loved trying to catch a high ball. It was a, I mean I always put it down as a, maybe a strength of my game and I didn't I never mind who pulled behind me or who was at that and behind me. I mean you were totally focused on the ball and and it was something that I was fairly good at. So I always wanted to poke out. I, I actually preferred the ball coming down and out of the out of the sky rather than on the ground coming to me. I don't know why it was just a habit. And usually usually lads will pull them and under they're pulling they're not concentrating on the ball. They're actually concentrating on you. So it gives you a better chance of catching the ball, like, you know. Right. Because it's funny. I mean, Kieran Carey never, never, never stood back and pulled his lip and or. Or we say, you know what I mean, lads will try and flick it away. Brian brain didn't stand back and pull his living best, you know. I mean, you'd be hoping, that, I was hoping that lads would stand back and pull their living best. Gives you a better chance of catching because the, the, the pull will usually hit your hurl like, you know.
2: Yeah, it's funny you say that because that great, well, you caught one great ball before half time and it was one ball that clearly Kerry was actually trying to pull on and you caught it clean and won, the, and won, a, won a free off it.
3: Yeah, but it's easier to actually it's easier to catch the ball when someone is pulling rather than contesting yeah. it with you. So well that's my theory on it anyway. Like I mean and I always I love I would love when a fella is, is up in your back and he's darting you in the kidneys and he's giving you a push and he's maybe walking on the backs of your legs and stuff because he's concentrating on you and if he's concentrating on you, you can totally concentrate on the ball, but he can't. So it gives you the advantage for the ball, you know.
2: Yeah, Scallon gave you a lovely li- Scallan gave you a lovely little ball, like almost a no look ball then for your second point. It was a, it was ground hurling at his very best.
3: Yeah, yeah, brilliant! He just pulled straight across it and it come across to me lovely, and, and 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 I got the score. And that that gives you that gives you a bit of belief, Colin, in yourself. Like that, you know, I'm. I mean, I was 32 years of age and I'd hurled for, it was my 12th season mm. and first time ever in, in Crow Park in September, like, you know what I mean, George O'Connor was 37, it was his first time in Crow Park in September, like, we were as nervous as anybody could ever be going in and we hadn't a young team either, we were, mm. we were a team, that, I suppose, if you average out our age, we were probably up to 27th or age, like, you know, with a few young lads, all right, but... But the rest of us were were, were seasoned campaigners
2: for a good while, like, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Limerick, in fairness, from watching the match, Limerick looked a little bit nervous. Like they broke away from the parade before. It was the shortest parade I've ever seen from a team. They they were gone after halfway up along the Cusick stand and you stayed going because your fans were under Hill 16. And like I suppose as, as captain, the temptation would be to break away maybe because they broke away.
3: Yeah, but it wasn't because I, like I wanted to march in front of our own stands and his, our own stands on Hill 16 because that's where we were going to get our biggest roar. They got yeah. their biggest roar at at the other end. Like you know what I mean. So I knew that for our biggest roar. Plus I felt, plus I felt that that united us more. That they were on their own. They were going to have two more minutes to think and worry and what will happen and what's going to happen. Whereas we were still in the file walking. Have talking to each other and having each other's back still talking, like you know what I mean? Yeah. so that's that's why I think it just helped us to, to, to focus more. But I suppose we were going in, we were going in really, really thrilled to have gotten to an all Ireland final because Wexford hadn't been in one from 1977. Limerick had, they say themselves that they threw away one in 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 95 or 94, 94 like yeah. that, but. 94 but that had absolutely, absolutely nothing to do with us like I mean they were going up to sort of put the Demons right for 94 but so we would nothing to do with the Demons from 94 we were going up to win for 96 for Wexford like you know
2: yeah no exactly what did you make of Scallon sending off like I mean back then um, there it, it was ref slightly differently but I suppose he swung once and then swung twice and the second one was high enough
3: it was but so was the other pull on he got caught up like you know what I mean I mean both lads pulled high and I, I just felt I, I just felt that it was a harsh sending off under the circumstances on a hot ball. I just, I, I, just felt it was harsh. But there had been a few hits started to go in for a few minutes earlier. Yeah. I'd say I'd say he was just taking control. And when you throw a, when you throw a red card, it just puts everybody back in their box, and all of a sudden everybody's temper drops back down, and you, and you totally go back to concentrating on the ball rather than getting fired up and getting up in, in. In, off, in other stuff like you
2: know yeah a lot of talk is of the Liam Dunn Gary Kirby clash in geez, It must have been only in the first minute or two what's your reading what's your reading of that or what what would Liam say in private to that well
3: well, my reading of it is and I I watched it in slow motion a good few times if you look for the direction that Gary Kirby's hurl was coming it was coming dead straight across if Liam Dunn hadn't pulled the other the opposite way Liam Dunn had lost his head as well so I mean I, 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 I think I think all fair in love and more. I mean <laughs> they're dropping ball, two lads pulled their living best. Gary Kirby was complaining. He went out to the sideline a few minutes later. He took a free on the sideline 73 or 4 yards out. It put a dead straight over the black spot. So yeah. it mustn't have been affecting them that much. No. And I think he scored two I think he scored two of them frees after, did he? He did.
2: He From didn't miss, he, did he didn't miss a free. I think he got two frees in the game. Uh, that one that you're talking yeah. about, that was a very long one all right straight after it, yeah. yeah.
3: So if it was that bad, it didn't, I don't think it affected him. You know what I mean? I, I just think it was, a, I think there was more made out of it afterwards than there was actually during the match. And I don't think Gary made that now. it. was very hurled on. He hurled on for the match, like, you know what I mean? So it didn't, it didn't stop him putting in his effort, like, you know?
2: No,
1: exactly.
3: But like, I mean, like Liam Dunn, Liam Dunn got a reputation that I think was very unwarranted. He was a tough little man, but he was also pound for pound probably the best little hurler in the country.
2: Yeah, but I mean, can you, stopped, bo- you can be both, you can be bought he stopped
3: though. some of the biggest, he stopped some of the biggest men in the country. But that time I was getting the same shots at the other end of the field and there wasn't, wasn't as much about it like, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. I thought you won a lovely, you used all your experience in the second half to win a lovely free where you pulled Mark Foley down with you and it looked like he pulled you down. <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: that's called manufacturing the free, that's the <laughs> Oh, it definitely <laughs> is. I was getting tired. I was starting to get tired of that stage, so you had to, you had to just try and and, and something. No, it it does it set itself, right? That that he came to me awkwardly, and I, I I sort of took advantage of it and I, and made it look like he pulled me down, even though I had the grip on him. You know.
2: Yeah. No. I, I definitely I appreciated that. But that comes with ex- that
3: comes with experience as well, though. You know that. I mean, an older player, an older player is able to get a free a lot easier than a younger player because he knows he knows the angles to run and he knows when to fall at the right time and all that stuff like you know what I mean that that's sort of I think comes with a bit of experience and stuff too like you know you have to get cuter as you get older because the legs go a bit and, but the mind gets sharper you know
2: Yeah no that's exactly it so you, you were you made reference in your speech after the game to being called oh we've been called we've been described as the bridesmaids of Hurling well today we got married um, which was a which was a good line um, in your speech. Were you hurt by some of that? Because you were uh, talked about being bridesmaids and being yellow bellies as well.
3: Yeah, we, I, I I certainly was hurt over it. I mean, I who wrote that,
2: time. Martin, or do you? Was there a journalist, or who, wrote, or where did you read? Where oh, did geez, you? I
3: can't remember. But we were called like we were called that we would never, ever, ever cross the line because we didn't have we didn't have the balls for what it took and all that like that. We always we always sort of blew up when the when the pressure come on and all. And I never felt, I honestly never felt we did. I just felt that, like, if you go through the 90s, we got beaten in the league final in 90 and 91. In 93, we went to three league finals against Cork. I mean, the teams that beat us in, in most of the championships along the 90s went on and won All-Irelands. Cork, or Phil Kenny beat us in 92 and 93, they won the All-Irelands, awfully beat us after oh, they beat us twice, I think they won the All-Irelands, we won one, like I mean, that's that's five of, of, or six of the
0: teams
3: to win the All-Irelands, like, so, there was no backdoor system, like, at the time, so, yeah. if, you, if you didn't win, it was not
2: Yeah, and it's a long year to come back then again, I suppose, and rectify it.
3: Well, it's a long year training from October, and and you go out in the first round maybe in June, you meet Kilkenny, and Kilkenny go on and win the All-Ireland, and, you were after training in October, November, December, January, February, March, April and May and half of June. And you play one match and you're finished.
2: At least now,
3: at least now the lads get a fair crack at the whip. Like if you do have one bad day, you can recover it, like, you know.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And it's mad to to read that uh, Liam Griffin was getting hate mail the year before. It was uh, Offaly had beaten you in 95 by 7. Uh, that's a brilliant Offaly team as well. And he was getting hate mail.
3: Yeah, but Mead Beat is in the league as well in, in Belfield and in his the same year.
2: Oh right, it was after that but, game he got that.
3: <laughs> well he did and he got spit on as well. Jesus. But see, I mean, look at the, like the way I look at that is 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 like supporters supporters are all brilliant don't get me wrong they're absolutely brilliant but you could have a fella that he could have £500 pound on you to win it, you know what I mean and he could be as vexler and I as could be so if he could get near you he would call you every name <laughs> under the sun like, and I suppose he thinks he's entitled to like you know I'm, I don't I don't get really get caught up I mean I've got I've got spit on after matches and I've been called everything under the sun I've got a clatter and everything but look at that I always felt that was part and parcel of the game that, that that's the way it was at the time and I wouldn't have changed anything about it because it made you realise it made you realise how important it was to other people as well. Like you know,
2: yeah. No, I look for person.
3: not not just you, but not just you. You were the lucky one that was out there, but 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 you were carrying the hopes of these people that that would be prepared nearly to hit you because they were so annoyed that you got bit. Like you
0: know, yeah. That's no. what
3: I meant to them as well. And I don't look at that as a bad thing. I think that's that makes it more it puts more pressure on you to perform better like you know and to live up to what their expectations and what your own expectations are you
2: know yeah instead of ever giving out about that I, I if you lost a bad game that you should have won or you didn't play well and I got I got abuse off supporters I would yeah. think I deserved it <laughs> like I wouldn't really give out but about I, it that's what thinking. I'm saying that, yeah. that's, that's my that's my thing
3: like that, that, that sure, if you play bad you're entitled to be
2: abused <laughs> so in a small way you would you, you would feel weird if you weren't given out if you didn't play well it would be in a, in, a, in another
3: I mean, my my biggest critic was my father here in of Mercy on him and, and and like he told you the truth. I remember one day I got we held a match and we held. I got man at the match and I scored seven, Maria pints and all. He said to me was, "Just how in the name of God, Martin? Did you miss that goal?" Yeah, but he was he was one hundred percent right. I missed the sitter of a goal and if there had been a pint in the game or two pints in the game, I lost the match on Wexford. He was dead right. Do you know what I mean? But you can blow over them things if some fella blow smoke up your arse for long enough. You can, you know what I mean? You forget about what you should have done and what you actually did, you know. And he was right. Like, and that always sort of grounded me, that, that my father always grounded me in that sense when he was playing because he was harsh on it in that sense. So he kept you to try to be better.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. That would be my way of doing things, if I'm being honest. Come here, just to finish up, I was also reading that there was a survey um, in 1995 and it came out in the survey that Eric Cantona was the number one sporting hero amongst the youth in Wexford. I presume that all changed if there was a similar survey after 96.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was probably David Bacon one. <laughs> 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 no No So you would have had funny things I got into Marty Marty Morrissey Interviewed me one day In, in, in Kilkenny After we were after hurling Dublin Or Leash In the Championship And my, I had my young fellow In my arms Anthony And he was about three at the time And uh, Marty Turns around to him And he goes And now Anthony Who's the best hurling Wexford And he looked at him And he goes says Liam <laughs> So Look at Honesty comes Straight
2: I think it's and, in the story family Yeah
3: yeah, no, it's, 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 it's look at it, it's it's, I mean, I always, I always didn't need anybody to tell me after a match how I played, column. I knew, and if you wanted to talk to Rosie and some stage, I often tell Pete not getting out of bed of a Monday morning, like, because I knew I didn't do well enough the day before. Yeah. And that's how much it hurt, like, but that's what kept me going to go back the next year to want to try harder, like, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. Martin, come here, thanks very much for taking the time. Pleasure.
0: Dirt, like Remember, the 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 Let's the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill beans. But, the is... but, heraus, no money, but the I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. 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 Let's chill the beans. Let's beans. 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 Let's beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give Time, but i tell you give us a year a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time,
2: All right, so Wexford won 13, Limerick uh, 14, probably not an all-time classic Brian, um, this final, but obviously, it was descending off, had a bearing on the second half, where Wexford just kind of had to shut the game down completely.
1: Yeah, defensive masterclass from their perspective. You know, they only conceded four points in that second half. Now, they only scored five themselves, but um, you know, as you said, they, they shut them down. Uh, Limerick just you know did, did the writing in moving Dave Clark to the sweeper but he just wasn't effective and, and Wexford kind of found their way around it didn't get a huge amount of ball inside after the, maybe the initial first five five minutes of that second half but,
2: oh, um, it, was, it was interesting Martin Story saying there that they decided at half time that they all took turns following Dave Clark so Dave Clark couldn't yeah. influence the game one minute Martin Story followed him I didn't really notice this on the actual um, video on YouTube but they all took turns marking him because that was a big feature of the second half Limerick not using that spare man or that spare man not being able to in, get, get influence the game
1: yeah it was it was massive and I thought like even though Kieran Carey scored three points like and he at the first 20 minutes he was excellent you know he got up got a score near the end as well they really could have moved him forward to midfield or even to the half forward line. Yeah. You know, Gary Kirby wasn't hurling well at centre forward. They did. Uh, they I think he ended up he ended up, up there, didn't he? I think, yeah, he just he went up under under like a couple of line balls, and, and maybe he was moved to midfield because, as you said, it's hard tell on on Telly. But you know, they could have put him up into that half forward because they needed a little bit more impetuous up there, like. Limerick fell into the old trap that lifted both corner forwards. You know, yeah. it just, it, it was just laughing when I saw it. And then they lifted Barry Foley. You know, four points he got in the first half. He roasted Rod Gainey. Um, he got three points off him. Then he got another pint off Larry O on the other wing. So Barry Foley had a, a brilliant first half. Now he did fade out. He did his go out that, of it, yeah. but, but there was no other forward doing it. So, you know, and the disappointing thing probably from Limerick's perspective was the Damien Quigley full forward They thought he was going to, you know, be a contrast of style and jerk Hush, but they larded a high ball down top of like Damon Quigley got two three in the ireland against Offaly two years previous he was Limerick's man of the match he was he was unmarkable that day so you know Limerick really didn't get enough out of him and it just shows how probably unsettled Limerick were. like they were you know listening to the commentary they were ready to lift on O'Neill after 20 minutes until he got a pint um, yeah so like, you know it, it, it's gas how quickly they were were ready to move certain players. You know, Barry Foley probably was the because he was one of the younger younger starters. That's why he got lifted in the second half as opposed to maybe Frankie Carroll or moving Gary Kirby. So they were they were quick to whip lads off as opposed to moving people around.
2: Yeah, Frankie Carroll. What just a, an example of the Wexford defending um, was an example in second half. Frankie Carroll caught a great ball from a puck out. He was a good. He was a target for a lot of their, yeah. their puck outs, and he caught it. And George O'Connor was marking, or no, Giney was marking him. Guiney had gone across. So Giney was on him, hassling him. George O'Connor went over, doubled up on him. Colum Kyo left his man in a corner back and came up and they tripled him. And then when, yeah. when Kyo had realised they haven't bottled up, he backed off him. He backed off again, then back onto yeah. his man. Do, you know what I mean? They were swarming onto the man with the ball.
1: Yeah and Keogh in particular he was excellent in his last 20 minutes he was unbelievable alto came out with a mountain of ball um, I thought he was brilliant I actually marked him towards the end of his career he was an absolute gentleman as well he was a real ball playing cornerback Right do you know? So Keo got uh, Kyo
2: got the old flimsy brilliant. bandage around the knee in the first half to make <laughs> yeah. him play on, didn't he? <laughs> to make
1: him play on. There, was no, there was more tape than that. It was going on for ages. I don't know how he ran with
2: that all on him. Yeah, oh, that's only that's only a little bit of cotton, sure. There's no more support in those things, anyways. But I remember back in the day, those pull-up things you'd put onto your knee. Sure, not one bit of help they could they could absolutely give you. But Limerick, Limerick, it was interesting enough, Carey won the toss and he decided to go against the wind and then Limerick obviously conceded the first one. It was a brilliant Larry Murphy point and great bit of skill where he led on to shoot and continued yeah. on. And then Limerick took over against the wind, 5-1 and they were in control.
1: Total control. And, you know, you, you know, that's what we are talking about the psychology earlier. Like it looked like Limerick were so pumped up but it was actually, you know, it was working and Wexford seemed to be really rattled. Um the kind of Larry got a, a, a big point to kind of settle Wexford and then John O'Connor after having that off the ball instant with O'Neill stood up and launched a long range free. So before you know it, you know, they were back in the game and I suppose that's what gave them belief. Actually speaking of the wind, did you notice how far the outs were going from, from Henry yeah. in particular? The like they were the launched down top of the D, inside the D. You know, there's a big debate about the slitters at the moment. Like and and how light they are but players were able to do it back then as well I just think players are now more consistent at doing it I think every player nowadays can hit the ball and and drive it as far as like whereas there was a lot more kind of um, you know, poor striking back then and, and and obviously a huge amount of ground hurling as well. The, the poor
2: striking, but the the hurls were very, very thin, weren't they? Like, I mean, I looked at Laffin, Gary, it's Gary Laffin. He, yeah. We'll talk about him at Performance of the Weekend because he was brilliant and terrible all in the same game. And I he had ter- some terrible wides and he was a, he didn't look like he was a good striker. And then I looked at his hurl at one stage and it was like Brendan Maher's hurl when he lost half of it yeah. down in the Gaelic grounds, wasn't it? N-
1: now you know what I was saying like, <laughs> So like hurls were like, and I think it was a, it was something that struck me straight away. You could see how long hurdles were. Everyone was using, I'd say, minimum 35 up to about 37, you know, because it was, as we said, there's a lot more ground hurling, a lot more doubling than the air. So oh, that was right. the need for, for, for the long hurler. Right. And then just the boss was way smaller. Like the boss has only started to get large maybe since around 2010, you know. So and why is that? Why it's is... only kind of this this decade. It's just, it's just become kind of, um, kind of, I wouldn't say cool, but you know, it's it kind of made the easy. thing it's now. It's made it easier though, right? To get a good it's strike. definitely made it easier. And, and see, that's why you have more consistent striking nowadays as well, because the boss is actually bigger. So like, it's it's not rocket science. It's and like golf, it, isn't it? Like, we've better yeah. tools in
2: our hands. But that's it. And, but like, I mean, there has to be something with ground hurling here. The smaller boss would help you whip it along the ground. And now there's no ground hurling. So they, they can have a bigger boss. Would that, is there anything in yeah, that? Yeah,
1: exactly. And a, a thinner heel on the hurl as well that was a big thing for ground hurling. Um, You know, you could could whip the ball along the ground and, you know, obviously a a longer lever in terms of your hurl. um, You know, you you even seen players that didn't bend their back as much They were coming out the ball. Sometimes it took them three or four times to raise the ball because it's such a long hurl out in front of them. You know, but they they never seemed under, they weren't under pressure they didn't, you know, they weren't panicking uh, because they were used to obviously hurling with that kind of length of the hurl. Whereas now obviously hurls are so much shorter, it's all strike into the hand and it's just sheer contrast to what, what was going on but like when I as I said when I grew up and for a good maybe 10 years of my career with Offaly we practiced ground hurling every single night and that's what every county would have been doing in the 90s as well Yeah, you know drills upon drills of ground hurling do you know, and doubling and on to, the ball and whipping on it, and yeah, and you
2: know, but, so it's totally different training. It, totally and to, I mean. but and totally different. Like, I mean, if you were to look back and try to analyze this game based on what the game is like now, you'd be like, "Oh, they were giving the ball away," you know. But sure, it's all relative. You look back on any sport twenty years yeah. before, and like a, a world record twenty years before world record now is way slower you know So it's yeah. the same in, it's the same in anything like I mean the ground hurling was in there and some of the ground hurling worked like I was talking to Martin's story Scallon gave him a lovely ball along the ground yeah, and yeah, a, an 100% early ball 100
1: right with that one yeah Because actually that struck me when I watched it I was like how many times would Scallon have rose that ball maybe ran with it could have ran into trouble but he just whipped on the first time story gathered it Took on Kieran Carey, popped, you know, got around him and popped it over the bar. It was a beautiful score and a lovely little dink of a ball across from Scallon. Yeah, and
2: and the thing is, like most battles were man on one, it it was hip to hip and there were long clearances, and you had to win your own ball. You had to win it and you had to put it over the bar. There, There was no huge pattern to the play, it was getting it down there, and the ground hurling was just a faster way of getting it down there. And the way it was, was you have to be good enough if I get it down there to get it up in your hurl and put it over the bar, that's just the way it is. You had to win your own battles.
1: Well, you see, the, the, the thing about ground hurling was, was, number one, it moved the ball faster. And number two, like it was actually a, a forwards ball because it was low, it was bouncing. Right. And if you if you could read it, and like obviously a lot of practice in this, you know, a, a midfielder or a half-forward doubling on a ball, keeping it moving. You know, if, if you can read that and get out in front, it was actually a great ball to get. Um, you know, so that's why it was it was it was so conducive at the time. You know, and look after were renowned for it in the eighties, in particular. They brought it to a new level, but it just became kind of a staple part of the, the diet. It wasn't really till maybe. You know, Cork and, and Kilkenny then to try to counteract that kind of ground hurling style and brought in, and well, obviously Kilkenny brought in power, but Cork brought in the running
2: game. You know? Right, okay. So here's the, the Kil- or Limerick were in control of this game. Kieran Carey was lording it over Martin Story. Um, Carey scored an inspirational point in the 21st minute. Fitzhenry Henry with a, a clearance that went to Carey. It was a poor, it wasn't a Martin Story's ball anyway. Carey won it, scored a point. Limerick's tails were kind of off, he's winning that battle. Then on the 22nd minute, Martin Storey, after not being in the game at all, decided, I better get into this game. And he scored a, he scored a very good point in the 22nd minute. He caught a great uh, puck out then on the top of the D um, where Carey tried to pull on it. And then the Scallon lovely ball. So now Martin Storey finishes the half. Uh, you know, Wexford got the goal as well. Um, Tom Dempsey, brilliant goal. Tom Dempsey got a goal and a point.
1: Story. Brilliant point, by the way, because you know, Scallum was after being sent off, and then you'll know, have. That- it was the next score was going to be huge, and it just it put them back in front just for half time. And he hit Steve McDonough a lovely dunt as McDonough was going to raise it. Did you see the stroke McDonough went to pull? If he connected, he'd he'd have got straight. He would have been sent off straight away. No,
2: I Tom, Tom he Dempsey was disgusted
1: when he, pocket, when he picked his pocket. Did he? It. Yeah, but like Dempsey picked his pocket and was gone like maybe three, four meters away from him. Po- popped it over the bar, but McDonough was disgusted when he took the hit and just swiped out with one hand. And if he'd <laughs> hit him, he was a certain sending off. Right.
2: Did you know Tom Dempsey's 1-1 in the first half both came off high balls to Larry Murphy on the edge of the square so I think that must have been a tactic of Wexford's for laughing maybe to be drifting around and then Larry Murphy had a, a big height advantage over Clark and Death for him, dark, yeah. him maybe to start drifting in on the, or he just maybe happened to be in there but definitely the 1-1 Dempsey scored was off, uh, was off high balls onto the edge of the square to, to, to Larry Murphy
1: yeah, that's interesting to know. Actually, I'd say it was just as much the, the half hour you know, drifting in because like a, a lot of time back then, like half hours probably used the forty-five yard line as their actual line to, to guide themselves off. Whereas nowadays it's probably more off the sixty-five, you know, like where you're filtering out the field and working deep. Um, so you know, they wouldn't have had as much maybe distance to travel in f- from that perspective so but yeah Larry was was obviously very strong there he'd an unbelievable Leinster finally he got four or five points against w- our offly that day um, so he was very very dangerous he'd a quite day um, overall for him uh, but uh, you know he was he was like, he got him off to a great start as you said
2: Yeah the the ball was in play an awful lot wasn't it Brian there was an awful lot of action now there was a a lot of clearance I do uh, maybe the goalkeeper was able to poke it out fairly long but the, the most of the players outfield probably because of the hurdles weren't able to drive at fierce huge distances. So you saw lots of passages of play.
1: Yeah, the ball certainly seemed to be in play an awful lot more, as you said. And it was kind of like because I suppose it was the nature of the hurdles. You said hip to hip and keeping the ball moving, you know. So it wasn't as a stop start. And obviously scoring rates were way lower back then compared to to nowadays you know on average you know there were, were games where it obviously it crept up but generally the, the scoring rates were much lower and as we said only five points and f- and four points scored from each team in the second half that tells you how tight a kind of a game it was it, it, it was like I thought it was really exciting to watch it back I, like obviously I remember watching it live but you know I, I thought it was still entertaining Hurling um, and I, I just I, for me I was just struck with the, the psychology of it all and I know I've gone over this point already but you know how with ten minutes to go, it just seemed like Limerick were were ready to throw in the towel and and not yeah. realising how much hurling could actually be done.
2: Yeah, and like I mean, I suppose it, what was it? They got four points in the second half, and there was two of them in the last in couple the last, of, two, in the last yeah.
1: yeah last couple of minutes, and both them by half backs actually. Yeah, no. and
2: why couldn't they have? Why couldn't they have? Stage that kind of a comeback like you're saying with 10 minutes to go it just was a bizarre kind of did they, they throw in, the t- in the towel did they run out of ideas did they I don't know it's hard to describe it did they, they bottle they
1: seemed to bottle it Yeah but you see every wide they had just seemed to suck the life out of them and you could hear the crowd then as well Because um, Wexford had a few know, wides too you know Story had two they, bad ones fenland had see, one Again it comes back to the whole psychology of the, the, the All-Ireland in general You know Wexford Wharton the favourites Limerick were the favourites it just seemed right. that the pressure was on Limerick whereas Wexford were coming up and every score was going to be huge so if they had a wide if they were even delighted to be having a shot almost it was kind of the, the kind of psychology behind right. it all they were keeping it up that end of the field they were forcing it if they were getting a chance that meant look we're getting chances you know whereas Limerick it was the whole pressure of oh no another wide oh another wide and you know the, the couple of subs you know had those ways. actually massive talking point and I knew you were probably coming to this the goal you know or the disallowed goal like for me there was no reason why that should have been disallowed and that was a big moment
2: oh no there was no in to be fair there was no need there was no way it should have been disallowed but Wexford did stop playing yeah the i whistle, agree with you on that. know it yeah, might not yeah, have been yeah, a yeah. it might not have been a goal if the referee didn't blow his whistle because the referee or the Wexford backs just stopped
1: yeah the Wexford backs stopped no Colin Kio still just tried to stop it on the line and went in through his legs but uh, i know i agree with you saying they did stop but Was no free.
2: No, no, there was no free there at all. There was absolutely no free. No, it was that was a weird that was a weird one for him to call, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that's that's an old well, I can't call it old school, you still see it a lot in club where referees calling the square ball and they're out around the 65
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably the way that's probably the way it goes. So like I mean the best team won, there's no doubt about that. In a strange way at half time you're thinking if you're watching that live, you're thinking, "Geez, Limerick are in a put themselves in a brilliant position here. They're a man up, and they have and to have the wind, and and they're, they and, the wind, and, yeah. they're the, and they're the favourites, and they're just yeah. and it's just a completely limp performance that they were just scared out of it. And Wexford looked like the team that had the extra man. It was bizarre.
1: Yeah, and as I said, look to me they were quick to take off players. They probably had a really strong panel and a lot of guys probably pushing. Sometimes you can see that can be to their, to a team's detriment. So, you know, a lot of them were still household names, guys that were coming on. And it, it probably, they needed to probably move players around and get some of their bigger players, try and, try and get them more influenced in the game. They like Gary Kirby, maybe moving Kieran Kirby out with that half-back line, especially because they had an extra player back there. Um, you know, Frankie Carroll was... Going toe to toe, but not on the scoring sheet, you know. And Mike Houlin was a bit of a wrecking ball in midfield. He was hitting everything that moved. But yeah. you know, again, he could have been maybe, if if it was moving Carey to midfield and him to center forward or whatever. You know, so the, to me, they need to get more out of their big name players.
2: Yeah, I think Carey did move to midfield. I think they said that in the commentary that he moved to midfield at one stage yeah. in, in the second half. But here's the thing on on um, Dave Clark, right? He's the spare man. And I, t- to be honest with you, they were saying it was the Liam Lenehan. It was one of the Limerick selectors said, we have a man loose. So where we play him, we'll talk about that at halftime. So he was interviewed just before he went in for the halftime break. So I thought coming out at halftime, Dave Clark was a good, aggressive player, he was playing from half back line up to midfield and he was actually going to give Wexford something to think about. You know, the the conservative thing there is to use Dave Clark just to cover, you know, Tom Dempsey and Gary Laffin yep. inside, right? So that's grand the problem the problem with having dave clark out around the half back line midfield is because of the style of hurling back then if this if this was now lads would be picking out dave clark with a short stick pass all over the place and he'd be causing mayhem because the way hurling was back then where you were getting it down the field or you're whipping on it and you're dave clark's not getting not getting in the game at all he's the spare man but he's actually the game is bypassing him completely
1: yeah you've you've hit the nail on the head and dave clark was was a brilliant wing back you know when he played wing back and he was he was brilliant at him, hoovering up ball and then driving forward with it as well and kind of to have him not having any influence on the game was also a huge blow to Limerick I, I get why they put him there you know Steve McDonough for the finishing out the two or three minutes of the of the first half he was in the sweeper so they yeah. kind of said right look Steve McDonough is a, more a man marker we need him marking someone and we'll put a ball player like Dave Clark as the sweeper so I could see why they thought about it but yeah you know, it's just the way it turned out. I suppose it's it's hindsight. You're, you're obviously an awful lot more intelligent about it afterwards, but it's something that they probably should have tried to change after 15 or 20 minutes and try and get Dave Clark into the game. And, and, and you know, at, at that rate, if it was Steve McDonough or whoever that sat into the pocket, it didn't really seem to matter as much. Or as you said, maybe look at moving him up to midfield. Um, I know, as far as the Jerry canning, he even did call it one stage, you know, could even think about putting him up as an extra def- um, extra forward. So yeah, um, you know, you could see that the. the- it was very obvious that Dave Clark wasn't working, and that's no, overall. because It's the, just of that uh, Limerick didn't seem to do anything about
2: it. No, and the point that the point that Dave Clark got was from a sideline that he was going to give it up the line, and then he realised, oh, here Dave Clark's free, gives it to him, and he sticks it over the bar. And it was like, yeah. oh, it's, Jesus, he's been there all the whole second half. You, you could, you, if you could have done this with him, or else like it, the, the obvious change would have been potentially to let Kieran Carey be the spare man, and he's such a free spirit, they definitely give the ball to him
1: yeah and he could have been as you said a free spirit he could have been driving up the field himself yeah. you know without even being told he, he probably wouldn't have had the discipline to sit there um, and sit in the pocket you know like to think about it like he might have got one of those points in midfield but to get you know Three points from starting at centre back with some going from Kieran Carey and Mark, Mark and Martin Story as well. That was some, some battling performance, and he missed an easy one in the second half as well. You know he'd oh, done he great did solo up the field forty meters out, and you'd yeah. expect him to slot it and just went to the right and wide. So it was some performance at the same time from Kieran Carey.
2: It was, and to be fair, like Martin Story. Played the captain's part the second half of the first half. Carey, it's funny, they both marked each other and they both played well. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. funny one and they're, both, uh, they're both, uh, both captains. But that was it, the best team won. And the, the weird thing for, from a Wexford point of view is that they were called the bridesmaids and the yellow bellies and all these things and then they win a game that is completely in contrast to any kind of you know digs or insults like that.
1: Yeah, they dug they it out. i tell you, well, did a tough spine in that team. Like, the lads not afraid to pull timber. Um, <laughs> you know, like, you're talking jerk cush, you know, tough out full back, old school, raw out full back. You know, John O'Connor definitely was, was uh, not afraid to use News timber and fond of the dark arts their half-back line was, was really tough and to think as well like Sean Flood wasn't playing that, that alert as well he was a massive blow and that was another part of the psychology too you know George O'Connor started in that in that final because uh, you know George was was at the end of his career, he was a brilliant stalwart for Wexford for years, and he was one of the, the bridesmaids of hurling.
0: Yeah.
1: It was it was a great story that he actually got to start in that hurling and finish it out. But you know, Sean Flood was was a big loss to, to Wexford there um, at, at half back But you know, in a, its own sense, then, though, Larry O went back wing back and had a great game, got a couple of points, drove forward with a lot of ball. So he's a great old character, Larry O. He's still talking about it, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Right, we'll leave it there, Brian, and we'll come back with performance of the weekend.
0: I remember my mother, Lardy Mercer, she's dead, she's eight years this year. She never saw me holding life, but she always went to the matches, to the hotel, the two finals, and we got off the bus after the first one, and the first person to meet me was my mother, and she said, look, what's meant to be is meant to be. She said, keep the head up. I said, Grant, no brother man thanks. 96, back to the hotel again, first person, <laughs> off the bus, my mother says, ah, look, what's an interview? I said, how give it a fucking ride? <laughs> <way. laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> OK, so performance of the weekend. Um, you just touched on Larry O'Gorman just before we finished the last section there. Uh, Brian and he was outstanding I have him down here I was holding off because he scored two good points one at an important point of the, sec- of the first half and he tried to G up the crowd and get them going um, and then another really long one in the second half and again G'd up the crowd that's just Larry I'd say he just enjoys that kind of thing but one thing I did notice about Larry Gorman and especially in the second half is that his distribution was on a much higher level than a, than a lot of players on the field
1: Yeah definitely he was he he'd be very comfortable in today's game as well. You yeah. know, as you said, he was, he gave great ball in and, and he was well able to strike from distance and still give a good ball in. You know, there was a great trajectory on it. It was either, you know, low trajectory, as you said before, or it was bouncing in front of players. And yeah, he he was excellent, but he, he was always able to play well in big games. He, he just reveled in it. You know, it's the type of character is. you know, you've, you've met him yourself. You've seen what he's like. He just, he lived for those sort of days. And, you know, when he got that crowd behind him, it really did give belief to, to, to the Wexford crowd and the players around him because he didn't give a hoot if it was Dollar or not. He was just there to, to perform and that was it.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And like, I mean, he'd have a great bit of pace about him as well. He was able to eat up ground up through the middle. Like he, he almost played midfield really, didn't he? Like he was playing wing back. I know he moved across onto young Barry Foley, but he's the kind of half back where he turns the table on you and you were following him kind of thing.
1: And that was, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. It. He was driving up the field, killing you from a half forward. And you no, know, Barry Ford he was after sniping Rod Giney for three. Now he got one straight away off Larry O. But he did. Probably, it was probably clever hurling getting it, but you know, Larry gave him something different to think about altogether. And obviously was able to impose his physical strength on him in the air then as well. You know, as it got into more of more of a battle, so. No, Larry, he, he nullified that Barry Foley threat because Barry Foley had, had was the main scoring threat to Limerick and, you know, he was eventually taken off.
2: Yeah, Jer Cush is the second one down on my list here. He was brilliant. Now, I think Limerick played into his hands because I'd say Jer Cush wouldn't fancy a different type of ball going into Damien Quigley. But the type of ball that was given in, like he, he, he looked to me like being your typical 1980s, 1990s number three yeah <laughs> with the physique yeah go with the him. physique
1: I yeah. know <laughs> ah, he, he was brilliant to be fair to him on the day and look was a stalwart at Wexford hurling as well he was he was um, top class like you know And but it was as you said it was old school it was get it drive it as far as you can um, man ball and all but uh, he, yeah, he was brilliant today. But a lot of ball did suit him, you know. It went in high or went in over the top, and he was able to use his body and shield, shield out, you know, any of the attackers coming in. If Henry could pick it up or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, he he kind of he he kind of set the stall for Wexford with his you know he he's defending coming coming out with so much ball. Um, yeah, he he was brilliant too.
2: Yeah, Joe Quaid, right? So two brilliant point blank saves, one from Gary Laffan. And the other one from Larry Murphy on in the forty-six mm. minute, really, really good save. I think he'll be very disappointed with Tom Dempsey's goal at the same time.
1: Yeah, because he threw his foot out, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, um, And obviously he he had like reflexes, but he, I'd say he, it does haunt him. Being honest, you see how how like he was when he saved from Larry Murphy. Do you know he he got his right hand to it as opposed to yeah, his he hurt. saved it with that his hand? Yeah, it was unbelievable save. Like, do you know it was class. And his other save from laughing that actually so sure, that led to the sending off then as well. Um, I, I forgot that that one led into the other, but that was an unbelievable save too. But uh, yeah, you're right. Look, he he was he was the main keeper at the time. Uh, you know, obviously along with with Dave Fitzgerald, but um, he he was he was kind of another guy that really performed in in the big games, and he, he kind of he really believed himself. And it was it was a pity because it just seemed to sneak under him that goal from Tom Dempsey. Dempsey just got a ground stroke. Probably just hard enough to to to, to get keep it away from Joe Quaid, you know?
2: Yeah, barely enough hard enough. I would say if he put... He kind of seemed to fall back rather than... If he just put his foot out to the side, he would have saved it. But anyways, I don't know anything about what he faced there, so I don't want to be too critical about it.
1: Yeah, but you see, that just goes... Look, and we've said this before, a ground stroke or like, you know, a, a ball bouncing low, is it's, it's one of the hardest shots for, for keepers to save. Do you know what I mean? The high ball, you've seen... That's the two saves we're talking about we're in the keeper's range. You know what I mean? Top-class keepers will save them, whereas a the ball low, doesn't matter how good you are, it can sneak underneath you.
2: Yeah. Liam Dunn destroyed Gary Kirby. I won't say in more ways than one, but Liam Dunn completely, <laughs> completely got the better of him. Like, I think Liam Dunn got, Liam Dunn got official man of the match yeah. after the game, if I'm not uh, wrong. I would have, I'd say between Liam Dunn, Larry O'Gorman and Jar Kush for me, um, for for man of the match, he got, the, Liam Dunn got the official one. I don't know whether did, did Gary you said Gary Kirby broke he broke two fingers did he?
1: Yeah, well, that's what the talk was. I, I, I that's what the talk did, was. You know, that's he, what the talk was. Look, there was a lot of blood, obviously. Um, do you know, and he he was clearly in a lot of discomfort
2: because he never um, t- he never laid his hand on ball from play, did he? Really, he was completely
1: no, no like he hit no shot from play at all. You know, no. I, I can only recall him hitting one ball from play. It was a pass,
2: that, wasn't it? It was a yeah, pass in the second half. Yeah.
1: In the second half yeah, yeah exactly so it just but then again look I keep saying this it, it goes back to Limerick they never moved him out centre forward you know yeah. Gary Kirby was was their main man so like they could have considered even if he was struggling with it, with it like try and go contrast put him in on top of Column Kyo to they'd be able to get away with it you know that kind of way and, and see what they might be able to work from that perspective yeah. or, um, See the, prob-
2: the problem was it was his catching hand that that had the fingers broken yeah. so like
1: I mean he Yeah because he, he um, obviously he switched hands you know when he was when he was playing but uh, it, it was it was a big blow to Limerick It really would have even that is, is talk about the psychology when you see your main player maybe getting injured early on in the game you know it can, it can have a detrimental effect to the rest of the players Yeah. but yeah going back to Liam Dunne's performance I thought he was he was excellent and I think that that ball he came out with near the end probably summed him up yeah. he was so You know, so nonchalant on the ball. You know, you you wouldn't be thinking this last couple of minutes of an All Ireland final, he's just sauntering out with it and just keeps going with it, loses it, wins it back. And now, in fairness, Limerick actually came back up the field with it. But, um, you know, Liam Dunn, as I said, he he always was a class act. Was he a tough hurler? Of course he was. You know, did he know how to, to pull hard? Definitely. And you didn't want to get on the wrong side of him. But he was he was also a brilliant hurler and I think we saw how brilliant a hurler he was in that all Ireland. I think that does do him justice. Um and a fierce nice fella to boot. I won a uh a Real cup with him in Rome in two thousand and three when he was coming towards the end of his career. Um fierce nice fella.
2: Fierce nice fella when you're on the same Leinster team as him, I suppose. We <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I, I would have played against him as well, though. Oh you, you would you know, he, he, yeah, he was tough, but like, no, I, I would never seen an issue with
2: him. Well, know? all I know is I wouldn't be pulling in the air with him anyways after seeing that. <laughs> I might <am> <laughs> stand down for the break. Um, do, 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 do you know what he did in that final run that you're talking about, which I thought was a great move? And I think it, maybe it's a bit of an old school move, but I remember seeing lads up in Portuguese training and doing it. You know, when you you throw, you have the ball on the hurl and just and when you, you catch that. it, when you catch it off yeah. the hurl, that's when you sidestep. Do you know what I mean? You, you're kind of yeah. using, you're using the catch to change direction if you know what I mean is that am I making yeah. sense yeah,
1: yeah 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 they don't really do that they just, don't see that as the, much the now challenge, yeah it was just when the challenge came in he just kind of shimmied a little bit to the side yeah, and completely lost his marker yeah is that the one you're on about
2: yeah yeah that's it yeah, yeah. So. oh
1: yeah brilliant brilliant use of defeat but top class order seem to be able to do that so simple you know I, I when I think of that I, I, I've seen Owen Larkin do it a good few times I've seen TJ Reid do it a good few times you know it's, it's just that you know being able to move they're probably implying they're going one way and they have to go the other way so simple.
2: Yeah. So it's yeah. Deadly. Yeah. Gary Laffin, um, he got three from play in the end. He had about four wides. He had two dreadful wides in the second half. Wexford had a lot of bad wides in the second half but you're you're right, the psychology of their wides wasn't as bad maybe as the, as the Limerick ones. He didn't seem to be a good striker. Like I'd even be, I'd even be on defence to as to whether the ball he gave in for the Tom Dempsey goal, he was going for a pint there, or was he going for, even going for for the pass there? I'm not too sure. But well, when he definitely
1: going for a pint, I thought it going for a pint. hit is. off yeah, the left underneath.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, so like he was on so much bloody ball. He was very young in 1996, so he got three from play. He set up the goal, whether he meant it or not, and he had about four. Wa- this fella could have had seven from play if he had have had his uh, what do you call it, shooting boots and hurling.
1: And if like Joe Quaid made that unbelievable stop from as well, like, him he as could well, have had yeah. one five one six you <laughs> know, easily. Easily, like Joe, you know, we we'll, we'll forgive him one or two whites. You know that kind of way. it's very hard to yeah to shoot a hundred percent like. But yeah, he he definitely had uh, Mike. Mike Nashell was Mike or Declan? I think it was Mike. He had him under serious amount of pressure. Like um, yeah, Gary Laffan was kind of a funny figure. He was kind of he had big moments in that year for Wexford. You know, three points was still a fair return, as you said. But uh, he did the right thing as well. Uh, um, I think it was the follow-up from the Larry Murphy shot, was it? Where he he put the ball back over the bar. You know, he, oh, yeah. he didn't try. He didn't try to, you know, force a goal and maybe you know allow a big moment for Limerick to try and you know maybe clear it again and drive it down the field and maybe get the crowd behind him Whereas he he showed a lot of you know composure there and just tapped it over the bar. I thought that was actually you know quick thinking he's two ways just after half-time. He was very lucky he got that, you know, that point after. But the amount of time he had on the ball for that point he got. Yeah. um, You know, he was able to... Put, Get the ball round his man, steady his feet yeah. you know, and put it over the bar in his left hand side. You don't see that too often in today's game.
2: No, and but he made a great run for that though, because that ball was for Tom Dempsey. Someone gave that ball down in Tom Dempsey's corner yeah. and he, he made his run behind Tom Dempsey and got on a lovely handy ball that Tom Dempsey didn't it gone over Tom's head. And then when yeah. he when he cut back into the field then you're right, he just seemed to have nobody marking him and could he needed that time to put it over with his with the way he was striking it.
1: Yeah, 'cause it it's like it was close enough to the right hand post as well. I'd say he was a fair relief man to see that go. Or, <laughs> or Billy Byrne would have been in it soon it's a,
2: Oh he would've Billy Byrne's a tank. I don't think he touched the ball, but I wouldn't like to get I wouldn't like to be taking a hit off that fella. You
1: know, as as found out afterwards in the when he scored that goal to to win the Leinster final, he was a he was a fair lump of a man. He knew his role too. You know, he was coming in any time he came on he was in there to break up play and cause havoc
2: you know, a great character, and I love the mustachio. No, yeah, the mustachio, yeah, like he's like the one, the 90s porn star coming on there. Although, and <laughs> Wexford have history with porn stars, don't they, uh, Brian? So we do. <laughs> <laughs> the one in the caravan. Now I was only told about this. I wouldn't watch that kind of filth. You like, know I mean. a lot more than I do. About it. <laughs> Um, Kieran Carey obviously was very good for Limerick as well Column Keogh you've mentioned him um, for Wexford so yeah that's it I'm going to give performance of the weekend um, all the way back then to Larry O'Gorman because I thought he was outstanding Liam Dunn was very good as well obviously but I'm holding that uh, questionable strike against Liam Dunn Larry O'Gorman absolutely brilliant two inspirational points and brilliant in general play as well from wing back and I didn't pick him just because he sang a great song at one, of the, <laughs> at one of the live shows, but he did sing a great song at one of the live shows. And we're going to finish up on that and we'll be back. Oh, on... sorry.
1: No, before you finish, can I just say one thing? Go on. If you notice the cup, because this was always a massive talking point. When Martin Story was lifting the cup, it was predominantly in green and white, all the ribbons on it there was a huge expectation that Limerick were going to win it. There was only a small couple of ribbons in actually purple and gold. And the picture, you know, that was around in all the pubs, the, the one photo of Story in different cup, and it's practically green and white in his face. So uh, that goes back to what I was talking about earlier. There seemed to be a lot of pressure expectation that Limerick were just turning up to right. win that final. Do, to, do, they not,
2: do they not take those off at the end? Of, they do the end? now.
1: They, they do, do now. now. Right. Yeah, but back then both were on it. And it was if if you look back at it, it was predominantly green and white.
2: Right, OK, interesting enough. Right, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll pick another final. We might go with uh, Cork in 04. I think that's on YouTube where to stop Kilkenny doing the three in a row. JJ won't be happy with that, with that choice um, of mine. Right, we'll leave it, we'll leave it there. And here's uh, Larry singing one of the all-time Wexford classics. Good luck.
0: You know this next one, do you?
3: was didn't stop. and when I got the chance to go I said I go so it
0: opened up. We're only the small little fish out there so we are and we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. I
1: love this county so much you know and it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of war today because like I, I'm heartbroken. I'm <laughs>